who do you have right now for your Oscar stuff? I mean, I think Oppenheimer's going to. I think Oppen- Yeah, as we're seeing, yeah. Baptists were were recent. Uh, uh, what was it? Um, Golden Globes were recent. I think Oppen- DGA. He yeah. went. Nolan won DGA. I think Oppenheimer. It's like yeah. the one. Yeah, to bet and, on. and it deserves it. It's a. It's mm-hmm. a it's my it's my favorite film of last year yeah. as well. So, well, my favorite is still Zone of Interest, but I think Oppenheimer mm-hmm. is gonna. I mean, it just it's. I'm not mad that it's gonna win yeah. awards. Like it deserves it. it. I mean, it's in my. T- I think it's my third. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is Zone of Interest your number one film yeah. of last year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've, it just stuck with me. Like yeah, you know, I've heard haunted me for. I've for heard days that after. the like specifically with the sound design of it is that it's a haunting yeah movie. Um. Yeah, and just by design, I mean. Glazer's a very interesting filmmaker. He, you know, yeah. he pops in every once in a while. And <laughs> How would you rank his movies? Um, I haven't seen all of his movies, as I just said. Z- Zone of Interest would probably be number one. Oh, wow. Then Birth. Oh. Then Under the Skin. Uh-huh. And then Sexy Beast. Sexy Beast. Okay. Yeah. I, I need to revisit Sexy Beast, though. Yeah. I didn't really uh, love that one as much as his I, I liked it. It, it. It's one that I think was hyped up. It's high. I think I think it's a very speaking of kind of gangster stuff, kind of a, <laughs> gang, a very sp- specific type of gangster like heist movie. But everyone's like, you, you gotta love Sexy Beast because anytime I had like a list when I worked at the video store, I do like a list of like heist movies. I always go, "Where's Sexy Beast at?" And I was just like, <laughs> "It's good. I'm not gonna put it on here, but it's I, I like the movie a lot." And I think because yeah, yeah. Glazer's the type, per, at least at least that period. I, you know, I can't compare. I don't can't compare it with just out of interest, but like. He always does something just kind of odd that makes it like if it's like the 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 ending of of uh, of Sexy Beast where it's like the the rabbit or whatever yeah, yeah. that you're just like wait what the hell is that? <laughs> um, but I think as a filmmaker, I think he's such he's such a I think he's an incredible filmmaker. Yeah. So I need to ex- I want to explore because he doesn't have that much much yeah. work. But I want to explore most of his work. It was funny kind of seeing uh, uh on Twitter of rate le- recently of how like. Some of his music videos are getting mm-hmm. like like wait the guy who made Zone of Interest made this video in the mid nineties. <laughs> uh, that short he made a few years ago is pretty crazy too. Uh, what was Which the short? That? Uh, this was this was like recent though. This was Strasbourg fifteen eighteen. Oh no, the fall. The fall okay. from twenty nineteen. Yeah, that was uh, was heavy. Yeah, he seems like that type of guy. <laughs> All his films, there, there are, there are, they, they are all heavy to some extent. Even, yeah. even Sexy Beast. I think Sexy Beast is kind of like the movie. It's the one he didn't write. It looks like, um, but it's probably his most genre specific one. I, I still need to watch Birth. That's, Birth is wild. That's one I haven't seen. <laughs> Birth is wild. That's one I haven't seen. <laughs> um, that is a, that is a movie. But yeah, so Sexy Beast, the gangster stuff. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll yeah, go yeah. into what we're talking about this today and this month. Before we do that, I'm Brand Sparks. I'm Dave Glenn Fourth. And this is a Nation Podcast. And so far this month, we're we're four episodes. This is our fourth episode into the series. And we've been talking about kind of mob, mafia, gangster movies, mobster movies uh, this month. We've talked about a lot of different films. But what have, what have we discussed so far this month, David, from your perspective? Uh, we've definitely like I think we've solidified some tropes. Yeah. Of uh, at least the the mo- first few movies that mm-hmm. we watched. Um, one of which I think was interesting that that you brought up was the um the kind of 
flawed romance or the the, the failed yeah. romance. Um, and I think it's interesting in this because this is a counterpoint to a lot of the tropes. I think. Um, I think it is a counterpoint yeah, to a lot of tropes that tropes, we discussed. Yeah. But I, I I have started to notice that, and as I think about more gangster movies, not necessarily that we're even covering mm-hmm. for the month, um, that it does seem to be a centerpiece of a lot of them, especially the American ones. Yeah, the failed romance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's like we because I talked about with with Thomas like the history of violence. How like with that one, it's that. Vigo and Maria Bello have a very vanilla but healthy marriage, and then once the idea of the mob come into play, yeah. it's like it the it starts to tear apart and become something completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see it in Goodfellas, you see it in um, Scarface, Scarface. We, you see it in Godfather Part Two, which we'll talk about next week. Thomas and I. Oh, I didn't know that's what you guys were. Yes, we ended up picking. Oh, sorry, nice, sorry, nice. I forgot to tell you that. It was no, kind. Excited. It was kind of like a. Oh, everyone talks about the Godfather. Maybe we should do Godfather. I was like, maybe we should do Godfather Part Two. And I know you'd mentioned it at one point of like, maybe y'all should we should do it. Oh, I mean, month. I think it's important for the month, but I was also like daunted with being the one to to take that on. It was, if it's I'm a, honest. W- I, I, yeah, it, I, it's it's been recorded as of this. It's it was a daunting task of of, of doing Godfather Part Two because the thing is, there's not as much accessible like completely online sure. to find of it. So I really had to dig deep for it. Um, I wish I wish I could find like more books because because I know Cop they just came out with a Coppola book mm-hmm. like a month or so ago and I wish I could get my hands on that before I would have done it but I found a lot of like kind of oral histories or or interviews that Pacino had done years ago describing the, the process of it but a lot of the stuff kind of goes into play like with the Diane with Diane Keaton and 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 or Michael and Kay's sure, sure. uh, 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 kind of relationship throughout the entire series really is that in the first Godfather they're very like the loving American couple kind of, but once the mob comes into play, they start being kind of mm-hmm. torn apart to where like the whole movie ends on her, like the door being that shut on her. Shot, yeah. yeah. And then it, and it kind of repeats in Godfire part two, mm-hmm. but now it's Michael shutting the door on K like fully. Sh- like it's him doing it. Cause I don't think he does it in one. No, it's somebody that's it's someone else that does it. Yeah. Him. But in two, it's Michael is the one that shuts the door on yeah. K himself. It's not someone else. But yeah, you have that kind of doomed relationship if you don't get out of the the mob life. And Thomas talked a lot about like the comparisons between like American mob movies versus like Italian mob mm-hmm. movies of how American kind of glamorizes the life at least for a while before like there's always the eventual down downward spiral or in some way if it's if it's Ray Liotta and Goodfellas with the the they're after me yeah uh, sequence or uh, he said but in Italy it's kind of the more like everything's depressing. <laughs> And I feel like with today's movie, yeah. with the French movie, it's somewhere kind of in the middle yeah, in yeah. a way where there's a mix of like, like Max is a cool guy. Yeah, he's a cool dude. But it's like, but like he's still, he's but still he, he himself wants to get out of it. Yeah, he wants to get out of it. It's like he wants to like, ah oh, man, this sucks. <laughs> like I always, I always find with top of this movie, it's like there's many times like ah, I'm just tired. Yeah, yeah he just like, wants to go home. He's always tired. He like, at one point, he's just like, yeah, it, once it's past midnight, it's like doing another job. Like it's just. <laughs> What are we doing here? Yeah, my, that was one of my favorite lines, which we'll get to in yeah. favorite seats. But what he's like, he's like going on about the, what the rest of you like, one drink's going to turn into this, yeah, and, yep, this yep. and then we're going to have to stuff him. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? Um, <laughs> the fact that he doesn't even want to have yeah. sex with the yeah, like, he, he literally just, like, just wants to go. Yeah. Goes, yeah. <laughs> so, so this movie doesn't, it doesn't go with all the tropes. You know, some other tropes, like the paranoia yeah. aspect of it, is that someone's going to take your place. But there, there is kind of this, a little bit with today's movie, kind of a paranoia or kind of like, someone's after us stuff something mm-hmm. we've done someone's trying to take what we got right um that's still at play here today but yeah that's the big thing if it's tony montana like 
becoming more paranoid that someone's going to take his place. If it's, it's Jimmy Burke, De Niro and Goodfellas where he's like, everyone's like, someone's going to start to talk and we just get rid of them all and tie yeah. all the loose ends. That's always kind of prominent within this, within this genre, at least like I said, more of the American stuff. Um, but yeah, it's been a fascinating month. I don't really watch a lot of gangster movies or mob movies. So, but it's one that like, it's a genre that has a lot of great ones. Like I was mm-hmm. looking at our letterbox list and I was like, Oh, like basically everything's ranked in our list that we have had. There's, there's more that they're not on the list, but like, oh, it's 3.3 and above yeah. out of five. Like it's, everything's fairly rated high. There's always like favorites from people. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's what we've been discussing this month. Um, but today's movie, David, a little bit of a different pick, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And so it was your pick today. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. I'm going to let you do it. I'm not either. I'm going to call it Grisby. Because <laughs> actually, that was one of the American titles, was just Grisby. Okay. Because um, I tried to pronounce it at the end of A History of Violence. And I was like, let me let me look this up. <laughs> and I was like, touche pas à Grisby. Yeah. Um, touche is, yeah. Grisby is the French is a French slang word for loot. Yeah. But in the United States, the English title was "Don't touch the loot." Yeah. So I, can, I saw on campy it was "Hands off the loot." Yeah. So yeah. we can refer to it as that. Uh, okay. Grisby or whatever. So I'm sorry if you were like <laughs> expecting us to be like well versed in French. Uh, today we're we're not. Uh, yeah. It's funny because I was um I had uh, like a pronunciation thing on for the names. Yeah. And I was just doing it over and over again at work, and this girl heard me. And she she's comes like, over and she's like, "Why are you pra- uh, practicing French?" And I told her, I "Was like, oh, well, I'm going to do- record and she's a podcast." Like, of- and she did. She started. <laughs> she no. She genuinely started helping me. Yeah. And she knew this movie, and she was all excited. She wow. was like, "Yeah, I told her to to follow us and, and listen." I hope she did. <laughs> if you're listening, ma'am, I hope she you was enjoyed. like all excited. She's like, "Why are you practicing French?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm trying to get these names." And yeah. I have a we're gonna get com- we're gonna get complaints from somebody <laughs> in Germany or, or or maybe in France saying like you Americans yeah if you thought my Spanish name pronunciation was bad or my Italian name pronunciation just, just wait, wait for wait today for it's gonna be a great okay <laughs> it's gonna be a change but anyways it's uh, we're gonna refer- I'm gonna refer to it as Grisby okay you, you can try the full title. Um, <laughs> It was also released as Honor Among Thieves in UK. So, okay. like a lot of foreign films, it had multiple titles in, yep. in other countries. Based on a novel by Albert Simonin, uh, who also co-wrote the screenplay with Maurice Grief and what? <laughs> Jack Becker, <laughs> uh. who also directed the film. I did listen to a um, a commentary track on the on the Blu-ray, the Keanu Lorber Blu-ray, yeah. and that has been helpful because that guy I, he would just like go from you know speaking the most monotone English to saying these French names uh-huh. like like quick, and yeah, I, was, yeah. I was like, "Whoa!" What show was that trick? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a co-production um, between uh, Italy and and France, yeah. uh, and th- and this happened often in this or not often, but it, this happened quite often in in this era uh, because it was it allowed them to split the costs, yeah. Uh, but that meant that the crew and the cast had to be half Italian and half. French. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film stars Jean Gabon. Jean, <laughs> Jean Gabon. Gabon as Max, yeah. uh, an aging gangster who is trying to protect his loot and get out of the game. Yeah. Rene Dari as Riton, yeah. um, his right hand man who is having some women trouble, to, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, Dora Dahl as Lola, one of Max's lovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Frankure as Pierrot, the nightclub owner and the big chief of mm-hmm. their part of the underworld, as uh, Max refers to him. Jeanne uh, Moreau. Jeanne Moreau. Yeah, I'll, I'll, this, I'll, I'll, I'll butcher him if I need to. Yeah, she, Jean, this was the one she she was helping with. Moreau. Moreau. Yeah, Moreau. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. She was in like Elvira the Gallows. Oh, no. she, uh, she She's great. But it's interesting because this was, in, and we'll get into that. Uh, a lot of the actors weren't, you know, names at this point. Yeah. Uh, but she's uh, she played Josie. Riton's lover uh, who is planning to leave him for Angelo mm-hmm. uh, and that 
causes some major conflict within the film. There's Lino Ventura as Angelo Frazier, mm-hmm. an ambitious but shady mobster who becomes the antagonist of yeah. the movie. Uh, and the movie is currently streaming on Canopy. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that how you watched it? Or did yep, you that's how I watched it. Yep. Yeah, uh, but it Looks also good. has that Looks uh, good. out of print Criterion release and a, a uh, Kino Lorber. Blu-ray, which, the, which looked nice. That was Criterion. Uh, but with that, we can get to our... Uh, that was the Criterion DVD, though. Okay. Out of print. But, okay. Um, with that, we can get to our initial thoughts. Uh, yeah. So what was your kind of history with this brand? I had no history with this movie whatsoever. I, I had never seen it. Um, It's been on my watch list for a while. I know it was one you picked it. I was like, so that's an interesting pick. I was expecting, like, Untouchables we're talking about, like, yeah, on, on, the Patreon. on Patreon or, like, a <laughs> different like that. Flipped, but... Yeah, I was like, no, we're going to go with that one. I was like, okay, let's, let's see what happens. So, no, I, I didn't have it, and, and I, I like how this, this podcast will help me kind of venture out, out and mm-hmm. kind of watch movies I haven't seen before. Um, so, yeah, I, I had heard of it. Um, I will... I'm trying to imagine reveal realist piece, piece of information now or later. That's a, I mean, that's a view. Okay. Basically, why it's... I was like... When, when you picked after you picked it when I was researching for Goodfellas I saw that Scorsese was looking at remaking this oh instead of doing Goodfellas interesting because there was a I do have a film fact about it, the influence this movie had on him but I didn't know he was going to remake it yeah it, <laughs> in the book I was reading on Goodfellas oh, at wow. one point he was contemplating remaking this oh. around the time of Goodfellas the, that's what we were talking about with on the 300th episode the connections the that connections are, are kind of odd yeah. so that's so so i was like oh this is gonna be an interesting conversation because because yeah. i had never seen it and i was like okay so he so scorsese in the mindset where gangsters or, or ma- something crime is in his like mind at this right. point in time and he and goodfellas i think probably seems more like the closer to home for mm-hmm. him and why he does it but i could see kind of the crime influence and kind of how this is I mean, this would be an interesting one for Scorsese to do like um, nowadays in a way where it's like an aging guy, an aging kind of crime guy who's like, I just want to go home. I just (laughs) want to, I'm retired. Like, can I go watch the Knicks game at four? Like, I don't know. But yeah. And so there's something there where I think there is, because I think with French movies, it's like, I think about Elder to Gallows and then when I thought of where it's like, it takes a genre, it takes something like that and then like doesn't do the genre like tropes you're expecting yeah it, like, instead focuses on like the minutiae of yeah. the character's life it's like in, in elevator gallows it's like it's the the dude stuck in like yeah he, it's a failed crime he's yeah. stuck in an elevator the entire movie yeah. and then janae moreau his lover is just off wandering but that's not the streets it's, it's not suspenseful though it's not suspenseful those sequences <laughs> it just goes yeah. the other yeah. way yeah. Yeah, yeah or how it just becomes like it's it's basically looking cool while contemplating your life decisions yeah. Yeah. is or, kind of these french yeah. movies in this period and then it leads to with these kind of french crime movies movies always kind of a big mm-hmm. finale so like i was expecting that but in time i'll also get get uh max just like smoking a cigarette, <laughs> cigarette in the dark uh after after making love to his american girlfriend or my, whatever my favorite thing though is when he brushes his teeth and then he mm-hmm. lays down in bed and smokes a cigarette what kind of savage what's the point <laughs> what's the point <laughs> well um, uh, my yeah, history with yeah, it, what's your uh, history with it i had also never seen this yeah uh, but last year, I, I mentioned this on one of the, uh, yeah, you were doing uh, one of the Patreons. Maybe, yeah, you were doing a lot of French noir so films I had, at one So point. Like I had mentioned that uh, there was a class that I wanted to take at uh, UK, an undergrad, uh, that was a French film noir class, mm-hmm. uh, but I could never make it work with my schedule. Um, and so I took his syllabus list of, of movies, and then I found uh, two links that I think he stole a lot of those mm-hmm. movies from yeah. and uh, built a, a, a bigger list. 
and then I got about halfway through that and gave up because uh, I got mm-hmm. burned out. Yeah. But um, now that I saw this one, it's like made me revitalize. So I made another yeah. list today, actually. Yeah. And that's uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to it this time. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I had always wanted to, to, but this was one of the ones I didn't get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and I hadn't, I hadn't actually heard of this until I built that list the, the first time last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's uh, it really knocked my socks off compared to the a lot of the ones that I saw. I'm not, yeah. not saying I didn't enjoy the ones that I that I had watched, but none of them really hit me that with the impact that I think this one did in the yeah. end. Um, because I think prior to that list, uh, most of what I'd seen for French crime films was uh, Melville, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I and I loved all those. So I was maybe holding that uh you know holding all these other movies up to that pedestal yeah. which wasn't fair uh but yeah no i i, I really enjoyed this and i'm glad to and, and so selfishly that's why i chose it was to to force yeah, myself when to you tell me i was i was like i was like this is a risk because you never know i was like usually one of us has watched yeah. it and i'm like okay we'll we'll go but yeah if, yeah it worked out that we both enjoyed it we both enjoyed it yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's, it's 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 a risk like maybe not maybe we don't like it yeah and it was helpful that uh, the Criterion had interviews and yeah. um, the Kino Lorber release had interviews because uh, otherwise I don't know where I would have found a lot of There's interviews. Not, I there was a lot online <laughs> yeah, yeah. On, on some of the pages um, that I found, yeah. But uh, with that, we can get into the history. Unless yeah, let's go into it. All right, cool. So the author uh, of the original um, source material, uh, as we said, it was is based on a book. Uh, the author's name, uh, again, is... Albert Simone. Yes, it's Simone. Simone. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, source material did very well financially, mm-hmm. uh, and it, inspi- it was inspired by hard-boiled American films, of course, mm-hmm. and and uh, Pulp Fiction of, of that era. Um, the but this led to a trilogy of books featuring the character of Max, Jack Bucker, uh, an elusive auteur as he was referred to, fought to do things his way. Often, when times would go over budget and over schedule, and in fact, he detested violence. Um, and but. He saw within within this film a way to de- demystify mm-hmm. the gangster, the mobster, um, and so he was able to warm to the material during the adaptation process. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it, it varied uh, very much from the novel. Uh, in uh, in his, in his words, it, it was more so about the uh, the structure of the film. Yeah, but it also sounds like from hearing uh, others analysis I, I haven't read the novel myself but the world in the film is uh, is nicer quote unquote uh, than yeah. the world in the book uh, in the sense the book is more violent mm-hmm. racist and, and gruff it feels more like a pulp pulp mm-hmm. novel um, than the, the movie does yeah. uh, and he also was intrigued uh, by this idea of turning this story into uh, you know about uh, uh, themes of the story about friendship and, and aging and mm-hmm. growing older which could be applied outside of the, the gangster life the mobster yeah, life yeah. you know and he knew that, of course, this was a commercial subject, and he needed it. Uh, but uh, kind of his history of how he even got into the film industry. So he had been working at the Fullman factories where his father was the director. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he told him that he wanted to go and make movies and, and you know leave his job, his dad cut him off financially. Uh, and, so, and because of this, uh, Becker uh-huh. uh, struggled for years. Um, but uh, through a uh, through the painter Paul Cezanne uh, and his family, he was able to meet Jean Renoir, mm-hmm. uh, Renoir, who is a mm-hmm. famous French uh, director. R- rules the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so he started actually as a assistant for him in mm-hmm. the 1930s. Uh, and they had met originally in 1921, became friends, and it, that led to this assistant position. Yeah. Uh, he started to direct his first film in 1939. The English title is Crystal Ball's Gold, uh, but it had some difficulties, and he ended up leaving the, the film three weeks <laughs> into production. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then during the German invasion of France, he actually spent a year in a POW camp, which oh, wow. further you know, set back his directing career. But uh, he was able to make his first actual 
uh, film, uh, English titled The Trump Card, in 1942. Okay. And this led to some successes with films in the late 40s and early 50s, but it was the film we were talking about, we're talking about today, Grisby, uh, where he re- really got a major success. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get into that. But what's fascinating, and I, we kind of alluded, or I kind of alluded to this earlier, is that a lot of the cast were not big names at the time or were former big names and yeah. needed needed this boost. Um French actor Daniel Jellin was actually offered the role of Max first, but turned it down because he mm-hmm. felt he was too young uh, at the time. He or he was always 15 years younger than yeah. Gabon. Uh, Francois Pierre was also considered for the role. Uh, and the age of the novel is actually not mentioned. Uh, and in, in fact, the reason for the character's uh, the character's interest in, in retiring was more so out of laziness than age, uh, according to the analysis that mm-hmm. I heard. Um, I'm 35. I want to retire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I, I guess it, wanting to get into life is wanting to get into life, but it, yeah. I think it adds something that this is an aged, it, yeah, it, protagonist. It's like an old, it's an older person, yeah. an older man who's like you, you get his wise. He's been around the block. He knows yeah. kind of other people's moves, and because it doesn't add, just add a lot. He does. He's not even talking about getting out for the crime aspect, but he's also talking about it's talking about like 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 the the whining. Like it's this drink becomes this drink and that yeah, drink, yeah. and like. Just let let the young girl have the young guy. Like, let's not do this. Like this, we, he's, he's like, haven't you learned yet? Yeah, this is we're too old for this. Uh, but Gavin agreed to play it, uh, play the role of Max, um, and this actually led to a relaunch of his career, mm-hmm. uh, which had been on a downslide ever since the end of World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd been a big actor in the '30s, starring in uh, many of Renoir's films. Yeah, season Grand Illusion. Yeah. Uh, but he needed a hit at this point. Yeah. Uh, so he actually went to Hollywood for two films, uh, which didn't do much for him. Mm-hmm. The first one was Moontide in 1942, which was originally to be directed by Fritz Lang. Uh, um, but he left early in, shoot- in the shooting schedule mm-hmm. and uh, Archie Mayo yeah. took over. The other was Strange Confession, a.k.a. The Imposter, 1944, which was directed by Julian Devere, mm-hmm. who was... French, French, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but it was a universal picture. Mm-hmm. Um, neither of these did much for him, so he came back to France, uh, and he faced criticism from many for splitting during the occupation years. He was also mm-hmm. um, he also got caught some flack because of his relationship to Marlena Dietrich, mm-hmm. who was anti-Nazi but German. German, yeah. Um, so there was some you know xenophobia or whatever you want to call yeah. it there. Uh, Gabon uncert uncertain uh, in regards to. Dietrich, not in her, yeah. in her views, not in her views. Uh, Gabon, un, uh, so there was a lot of um, uncertainty around Gabon on how to use him in this post-war landscape. Uh, he, the, it was referred to as his gray period of his acting career. Uh, even Becker uh, didn't think anyone was interested in him anymore. Um, but he had worked with him on Renard's uh, The Grand Illusion uh, and considered him a friend. Yeah. Uh, René Derry was France's first child actor. Uh, then he became a boxer in the 30s, <laughs> then came back to acting. And was also not seen as a figure that could draw audiences at this point. Okay. Jean Moreau uh, was in a play, The Dazzling Hour, when she met with Becker uh, for a role in this film. Uh, she would go on to be a huge French star as well, as we discussed. Yeah. Uh, Jules and Jim, um, the uh, elevator to the gallows. Yeah. goes on and on. Um, and she said normally those kind of meetings with directors was always awkward because they were more interested in a woman's size and figure yeah. than discussing the actual role of the film. Mm-hmm. In fact, Bekir was more, mostly interested in the size of her hands. Yeah. Uh, not, not her own acting talent. Okay. But she was cast. Yeah. And, uh, of course, this role you know, led to, to various others. Lino Venturas. This was also Lino Venturas' first role. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would go on to be a successful French actor as well. Uh, he was a former wrestler. And at the time, he was actually scheduling wrestling matches. Mm-hmm. But he said that this, you know, being in this 
managerial position or whatever, however you want to describe it actually was good practice for his acting career um and he also had an Italian passport, which helped him, <laughs> which helped out. Uh, they turned, or he actually turned Becker down at first, uh, but Becker was very persuasive and made it seem like this would be a fun time. Daniel Koshi was an illustrator for a newspaper at 18. He, he's the, he plays yeah, Fifi. Yeah, he played Fifi. He's yeah. the hitchman, yeah. Um, his uncle, Francis Carco, asked him to illustrate his new book. Uh, he was a famous author, French author. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was watching him while he was, you know, doing some sketches or whatnot at lunch one day. And he said he looked a lot like a hoodlum. And he wondered <laughs> if he'd done any theater. Uh, and so Daniel told him, yeah, you know, I've been an extra when I was leave- living in Nice, but not th- that was kind of the extent of his experience. Yeah. Uh, but they were doing one of um, Carco's uh, plays at the time, uh, and they cast him as a hoodlum. Uh, he auditioned for the director and then was uh, ultimately casted. He got the part. But the play ran for two years and was a big success. Oh, wow. Both Becker and Melville, Jean-Pierre Melville, mm-hmm. saw the, the play and led this led to future film roles for him because he's also in Bob Late. As a, Late yeah, 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 I saw uh, that. Bob the Gambler. Mm-hmm. Um, and he honestly didn't have any acting aspirations at this time. <laughs> but he's, you know, he also uh, went on to have a great French acting yeah, career. He, pa- he passed away in 2020 at the age of 90 yeah. due to COVID. Oh wow! He's early. It was May 6, twenty twenty. So he was early, or May eight, early in the COVID wow. stuff. Mm. But with that, I think we can move on to favorite scenes. So okay. What's one of your favorite scenes, Brandon? Um, the opening stuff of just kind of getting like learning, meeting these characters. I mean, this first thing I wrote down is when Josie's trying to ask Mac Max to like have him break up with her yeah. with with, uh, with his Riton, friend yeah. Riton. It's like, yo, can you just do this for me? I don't. I don't. He's, he's like, what? Like. And that's the nice moment because that's right after that is when you then have the scene we're talking about earlier when he comes back with Raton trying to be like, hey, like I know what one drink is to you. Like it's one drink and this, and then we're having to meet, we're having a drink with with Perot. We're having to get some food. We get some food. Then we meet these. We, we're waiting for these girls, and then and then we have to take them back to our place. Like it's just a long night. Like, let's <laughs> let's just leave. And then because uh, I wrote out, Max is always tired, and I love it. He was just like, can we just. Again, and then when they're driving to the club after they after they met, he's like, uh, after midnight, like I don't, it's yeah, it's a, it's like a whole new. I'm gonna start a whole new day day of work, basically. Like I just want to go home. Like let me go. Home. I, I think this whole sequence also kind of shows how he he's loyal to the people that work with him or yeah. work for him in a way, and he takes care of his own. Like he pays the tab and he leaves credit for yeah. the, his mentee. Yeah. Um, and. He, yeah, like you said, he just kind of wants to go home and get some rest. He's he's done with the partying. He's done with the partying. He's he's like I've I've done I've I've done the the young the young guy stuff. He's done the Ray Liotta stuff. Like he's yeah. done he's done the like partying and having fun and, and loving the life of being a gangster. Now he's just like eh, I don't want to do that anymore. But he's just such a cool character, and I, you know I wonder yeah. how much of that is Gabon's um screen presence yeah, yeah. and the the character itself. But uh, Becker actually re- referred to these characters as quote unquote respectable gangsters. <laughs> I I would I would agree with that. Like it was it was fun kind of watch because I was because I was watching I was like ah, is this gonna be like kind of like actual gangster or is this gonna be like just a heist movie mm-hmm. or whatever. Well that that is one interesting point is it's a heist movie that we never see the heist. It's, the heist. it's only the aftermath. Correct. Correct. It's only it was, the pulpy yeah, action. It's like we're basically watching the the de- like really yeah. not not even the de- like the giving up the the gold. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like. Well, he does show oh, Riton yeah. the uh, location, but that's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. Yeah, it's someone finding out they have it. Yeah, um, which again, it's a great kind of how to take a genre and make it subvert it in some way. But I did love, um, like at the end of the sequence when he's going going home, he's like, "See you tomorrow at one p.m." It's like the French hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hell yeah! I wish we had those here. I mean, I'm, I remember when I, when I was when I was was in France 
briefly at the at the, at the film festival mm-hmm. and it was it was it was always i had a friend she was french canadian so she'd been to france many times she was like yeah on sundays we don't do anything <laughs> and i was just like is that like a religious thing? No, no 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 we're not they're not religious here they just don't want to work like they were and so like it, i remember like walking around can and like all the streets are so deserted on Sunday. <laughs> Nothing is open. And I was just like, this is so weird. Like I'm replaying the week in my head when I'm here. It's like, if everything's bustling, everyone's out, like the restaurants are going, yeah, yeah. The, all the stores are open. Like nothing is open. I mean, in, in France, those cafes just stay busy. dude. Yeah. And they're just, she was like, yeah, we just don't like to work on Sundays. I was just, <laughs> I was like, okay. I was like, this is like a great place right by the Riviera. Yeah. You guys aren't working on Sundays. It's like, okay, I, I, I I'm for it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I like him kind of meeting his group and also the idea, we've talked this a lot with this, with this genre of like the idea of family and yeah. kind of chosen family in a way. And this is kind of that chosen family Absolutely. for him in a way, at least this, with his buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also as you'll see more as, as you go on is that sometimes your close friends, like you can become annoyed with, yeah, and yeah. I think he's annoyed with like, <laughs> with, with, sequence with, where he's like going back and forth. Yeah. When, and then he has the, the post nut clarity. Maybe I should save him. Yeah. Yeah. It's the time where he was just, he was just like, <laughs> it was the, it's like I one should, of the I should points of voiceover. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> where he's kind of contemplating like, why I do this? Why I do this? I should do it on my own. He's yeah. terrible. I should have like dropped him a long time. ago. I should ago. drop him a long time ago. And then it's yeah. After he's had sex with the with the Betty, <laughs> then he's like, I he's gotta like, save him. He's like, man, that's such a bastard. <laughs> I should probably go save him. <laughs> um, oh, I also you, love the the. Yeah. This is before that. I'm jumping back, but yeah, go ahead. The, uh, when he gets to his apartment and the and um the ambulance stuff. Uh, Angelo, yeah, yeah. Angelo and the, the other guy are following him. Yeah, the ambulance. Yes, and has that great sequence in where he shuts off the elevator. And he's oh yeah. In. Well, I love it beforehand. Even when he's with the driver, and the driver's like, yeah. "Hey, just so you know, I think we've been like we're being tailed by an ambulance." Yeah. He's like, "Well, let's speed up and see what happens." And then the the ambulance also speeds up. He's like, "Okay, yeah, this is drop me off and like drive away super fast." Basically, what he says like, "Get out of here quickly." Yeah. And then yeah, he's like waiting, and then he sees him get out, and he runs up the stairs. And he has that like pull, gets his gun, and he's waiting for that. Yeah, it's a great moment. He again opens the kind of door that's going to be the elevator. It splits him between the. And they're the just looking like, oh yeah. hey, yeah, we're not coming to see you. <laughs> oh, who are you coming to see then? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. So when I stayed in in Paris, I had I, I stayed at a homestay, and uh, her apartment building was exactly like this. Yeah, where it's the stairs rotating it's around. The, the it's elevator. the walk up and the yeah, yeah yeah. Which and I was like, oh, that'd be a, such a cool like setting for a, a scene so i was like, like it's cool to, to see that there you in go. Here. Now, yeah. now i can steal it from this um <laughs> um but yeah and then after this of course he now he knows that uh the, some people are after him or whatnot yeah. and he's got to kind of lay low yeah so i love his um his hideout he's already got everything stocked yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like no one's nice been here before in the, yeah. the couch um and I love too is he's like he tells Rachel he's like no you can have the bed and he's like no 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 you have the bed this is your place and he's like okay okay <laughs> and then I love later, okay, another point Rachel asks him for advice he's like you know what should I do here with the girl you know how do I get her back in line or whatever he he says and, and Max is just like what would I do what would I know I'm not in your shoes yeah I just I just love that <laughs> how like to the point he is and maybe that's part of the curmudgeon you know yeah i don't know archetype but yeah yeah <laughs> it's great <laughs> oh man uh yeah um yeah be- beautiful cinematography throughout the whole absolutely. movie like again i love the shot after he meets with betty because you have the you have the it's kind of a great moment where like she calls him over they're having kind of their i guess dinner or whatever mm-hmm. and then like 
very quickly it's like she just goes to the bedroom he's like well, i guess we're that's what we're doing <laughs> he's like smoking his yeah but then he, and then he gets down and he walks out and that's when he's like i'm, I'm a really just a bastard <laughs> but he's smoking a cigarette and the sil- the head's just like complete in darkness oh, yeah. the yeah. halo a- around him and she's she's in bed and he's like i gotta go <laughs> i gotta save my friend. i gotta save my friends because that's that's what he's like oh, i gotta go save my friend but again it's like those moments of just like again the french of like just contemplating your thoughts again mm-hmm. it's a very kind of french thing of like the the narration of like oh, i can't believe myself yeah like i can't believe i'm doing this or whatever and then kind of the rethinking when stuff when something happens You're like oh, okay let me go let me i've i've spent too much time with her let me go figure out what's sure, going and, on and you know if this had been an american movie you would have got that you would have got to that uh a different thought process way way faster way faster yeah. yeah there's a lot there's a lot of one not it's not a bad thing a yeah. lot of wandering with this character and that's he, very he goes French, he yeah. goes to the fe- the fence his uncle to like mm-hmm get the gold and, i love that guy's eyebrows by the way yeah and then like and then he he's kind of hitting on the yeah. the assistant there which is kind of the only time we kind of really see him like flirting with someone yeah. it feels like and he still got the game you know yeah he's like oh, okay well you're, you're kind of sexy um <laughs> and i think it's almost just like kind of maybe to get at the uncle in a way i think it's mm-hmm. why he kind of does that too yeah um but yeah and then he shows up to josie's work and it's, and wants to know like where is Raton? Like, cause she, cause what he's gathered throughout is that the reason, cause what's happened for those that haven't watched it or whatever, is that with the gold they've stolen gold from an airport, which mm-hmm. is very good fellas, and um they've kept it and someone is it who's the who's the who's the antagonist? You said oh Angelo, Angel Angelo and his cronies and, and his cronies are kind of like they offer. Uh, Raton like hey we want you to do this job and basically is what Max realizes that, oh someone has told them don't do the job because they're going to betray you they want to get the gold or the stuff we stole someone knows someone's been told he's like who have you talked to and that's when it's like well I kind of let like my young little little <laughs> little girlfriend know like, who's kinda, also seeing Angelo who's also seeing Angelo like kind of impressed like, oh, I got some gold we stole and she relays the information to Angelo and now they're trying to get the gold from um from max and all of them so basically they, they they're planning the plan yeah. that was the plan to to kidnap max that night uh when they came up with the elevator that yeah. was their plan um, uh, and then of course they had to settle for kidnapping return and, and like and, and he said like hey they're gonna try to kidnap you and return's like but i ha- basically i have to go see her yeah and that's what he does he wants to go see josie that's when they come and get him and so when he shows up to see Josie, it's like, yeah, where? And they're just, oh, he's an ambulance picked him up or whatever. Yeah. And then he's smacking everybody around. Trying he's to get smacking everybody around. <laughs> like, that was that was one thing. I, I I don't know how I feel about now in the yeah. modern context. Yeah, I agree. He does it a lot with a lot with a lot of women. There's a lot yeah. of slapping women in this yeah. movie. Uh, but yeah, that was the same where like, it could be done differently. But it was yeah. like, oh, she doesn't know anything. And then just leaves. Um, but, and, and then basically from this point to like the end it's it's just like boom boom, boom. yes it's very much this like the point, third the act end. of goodfellas or yes whatever, i agree in regards to the, the pace this is when they when they uh they they basically kidnap fifi his henchman yeah and they're like yo and they Taking start down they the basically cellar. start torturing him yeah I'm like yo where's where's our man at where where's where's Raton? because now it's like it's it's this like brotherhood right to find this other brother of like yo where's our guy at yeah. like and they're just like, i don't i don't know anything and then uh uh Perot is like basically kind of just gonna be like i'm gonna i'll i'll, I'll torture him guys and we'll see what happens <laughs> and he's like doesn't know anything everything i've known yeah um, i love his, his wife keeps like interrupting too <laughs> phone for you uh, yeah yeah i'm just coming let him go <laughs> let him go um but yeah then then what's next for you then then yeah of course that leads to um 
that leads to the 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 phone conversation between uh, Max and um, Max and Angelo, where Angelo's like, "Yeah, we just want the gold, man. We we don't have anything against you yeah, guys." Yeah. And, and that leads to the great. Well, let's trade. Let's say let's the trade. Great hostage. Um, Nego- uh, Nego- not negotiation Ex- exchange, yeah. yeah, exchange into a car chase, a car chase shootout yeah. in the middle of a French country road, yeah, at night. Um, and it's all awesome, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and it's all awesome. It's all it's awesome. Like literally, it's like okay, now this is like where, and this is kind of where the French crime stuff. Like okay, yeah. now we're getting to the the third act, big like the yeah. big, and it's where I think thing. Max goes full mobster mode because he's got that. The this is what gun. this, yeah, this is where you see. Oh, this is why he's good like it's like he's not just a tired old man who's like it's like oh he's got he's probably been on this level for so long that's why he's just tired of doing it and wants yeah. to kind of settle down and have a life um yeah when he's just when he basically he, he kind of takes hold he he grabs the gun from his young guy yeah um oh marco marco yeah marco so so like so he gets he grabs the gun from marco it's like yo you guys hide out like i'm gonna take care of this and they're all in the in the Except Marco, Marco kind of makes a bad decision there. Um, <laughs> but they all kind of get away from the car, and like he's he's waiting for them. And once they get in the spot, he just he guns them all down without really any mercy. Yeah. Like there's a dude running away, and he's like shooting him in the back. Like he all of a sudden becomes this young killer uh, that you really haven't seen the entire movie. Um, and again, it's this idea, this whole we're kind of spoiling the ending of here in this movie a little bit. So like if you haven't seen it, go watch it. But like when you get into that point when when they're having the shootout, Marco has been killed from the bomb. Uh, more people are showing up. They like, well, we got, we got kind of seek revenge very quickly, mm-hmm. and they basically kill everyone. And then he has to make a decision between once Raton gets shot and yeah. the gold on fire and the the truck coming. What do we do? And right. he makes this decision. I'm choosing my friend over the dilute the the, the, the loot. which makes a you know makes it the MacGuffin of the movie. I mean, yeah. It solidifies it as the MacGuffin of the movie. Is this the idea? Is like what again? What what has he wanted the entire time? Yeah. Was the goal was just to help him get away? But like yeah. again, if I lose my friend, what like what was it all for? Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> he passes. He passes away <laughs> either way, and it's and it's that kind of great, it's that heartbreaking moment when it's like okay, they they have him go like hey, we we want you to go to the cafe like because people are gonna think you were involved in this. Yeah. So we have you to just live your regular life. Li- li- live your life. Invite your girlfriend out for 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 uh, brunch or whatever, um, and pretend like nothing has happened. And then it's that great moment when he goes, oh, "Let me go check on my buddy." And he calls them up, and then he gets the word on the phone yeah. that and he that he's died, and and, and he just plays his favorite song. Plays his favorite jukebox. song, and it ends with them in the cafe. And of course, the classic Finn. Yeah, and it's just like it's just like. At the end, you're like, well, what do we get? What did he get out of all this? Yeah. It's that now he lost the money and lost his friend. Yeah. So, and that's the question is again, is it all worth it by the end of it for mm-hmm. him? Like, does he keep going or does he stop? Yeah. Uh, I went on a rant right there, but yeah. No, he, no. I mean, he, I, I think that summarizes the <laughs> your, ending. Your, really. co- your comments on all that stuff? No, I think that summarizes the ending really well. Yeah. I, I do like, I, I didn't really know how to, to put this within like scenes, I guess, but I do like how this deal does deal with some tropes. Like we have the last job. Yeah. Quote unquote, you know, um, and it's the last job's already complete. As right, you said. Right, it's, right. it's already yeah. done. So it's like the, the last job leading to an actual retirement where yeah. we actually buy that. Oh, maybe he can get away yeah. with this, but yeah. obviously complications get in the way and yeah, we yeah. get the classic pulpy aftermath of a, a heist that you see in, mm-hmm. in various heist films. But I do think that's interesting looking at it as, as a gangster movie as well, because it is exploring him. It, it is a character study in a way yeah. of, of specifically of Max and, 
you know, him trying to get out of this life and, uh, mm-hmm. it, we don't have to see the, the days of him rising or, or whatnot. We, we, we learn everything we need to know yeah, yeah. within the, within the, the movie and especially within the finale. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that's pretty much all I got. Cool. All right. We can move on to onset life. All right. So the film is set in Montmartre, Montmartre, mm-hmm. uh, which at the time, was the red light was a red light district and gotcha. it essentially was seen as separate from the rest of Paris. Okay. I mean, you get that great opening shot that shows yep. the, the Moulin Rouge, the, the mm-hmm. windmill. Um, but, uh, much, much of the film was shot at Bellancourt studios, uh, in Paris. Uh, Gabin showed up on set for the first time and Becker said, look at him. Isn't he magnificent? <laughs> like in his costume. And everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, his son, uh, Becker's son, Jean Becker, um, who also would go on to be a filmmaker saw this and it, and heard this and it always kind of stuck with him yeah. seeing his father uh, react that way to an actor. Uh, he worked on it as a runner on the film mm-hmm. uh, and had his first on-screen role actually in this movie as a valet outside the club. Mm. Uh, and Bakir didn't originally want his son to, to go into filmmaking because he, he felt the life would be too hard for him. Yeah. But Jean, Jean Bakir and his children, mm-hmm. grandchildren, and siblings all got into the industry <laughs> in some capacity. Um, and how can you not if you're growing up on, on set like this? Yeah. Jean Monroe, uh was scared on the first day, according uh-huh. to herself. Uh, had the normal you know stage fright, butterflies, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. but was also intimidated by... Uh, acting against Gabon because again he he was a legend of the 30s uh, so uh, he he did notice this mm-hmm. uh, Gabon noticed this and he told her you know th- those feelings will pass yeah um, and she said they they ended up becoming friends uh, Gabon seems like a grump you know when he first shows up on set uh, but he loved he loved the job mm-hmm. uh, and she was uh, very much impressed by his precision yeah and I think that shows in the in the character as well yeah uh, according to Daniel. Uh, who the they got, uh, the actor who plays Fifi, uh, he was originally supposed to be in the final showdown. Okay, but uh, they tried to shoot it multiple nights just outside of Paris, uh, but it was too foggy mm-hmm. at the time. There was only one road leading, at, leading out. They didn't have the the interstate. Yeah. Um. So they decided to shoot this piece in at in the Riviera, uh-huh. um, in, in Nice. But uh, <laughs> he was also shooting another film, uh-huh. The Count of Monte Cristo, during the day in Paris. Oh man! So he would have to take a Three-hour flight to oh, Nice, gosh. and then they would shoot all night in the mountains, yeah. and they would fly back to Paris. But on the second day of this, Becker was like, dude, you can't do this. It's, you can't do this for 10 nights. Yeah. It's crazy. It's going to kill you. <laughs> so they decided to add that scene where they throw him out of the car. Yeah. Why are you leaving me? <laughs> um, That's funny. Because it was funny because in that interview, he was like, yeah, because you know, it's just random that they just like stop and, and throw me. But I think, it, I think it makes sense in the sense of like... Um, Max's character is yeah. like, I, I'm we're, gonna we're done with you. Yeah, yeah, we're done with you. And and you don't need to be a part of this. No, 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 yeah. You're a young kid. Um, you got you got a lot of life in you. Yeah, but one day on set, uh, Bakura told Gavin, Gaman, and Daniel to go have a drink mm-hmm. uh, as they were, you know, moving some lights around for for a shot. Gaman would re- refer to him as kid, and he would refer to Gaman as old man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but B- Becker said when they first came back from the that drink, because I guess that was the first time they had like spent time off set together, mm-hmm. he was shocked that he actually got him to talk to him. <laughs> um, and Daniel said he became friends with him and Lino. Uh, described them both as surly bears with hearts of gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Gabon, though, was on set even on days when he wasn't shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a real perfectionist. Uh, either, he was either really nice to people or just didn't talk to him. Yeah. Uh, Becker we've kind of alluded to this as well, but Bakura really liked these moments, you know, where you just take your time mm-hmm. you just kind of watch the, the characters do things and you just settle into a milieu. Um, he, he refer, or, uh, the, uh, 
professor who did the commentary track referred to this as the quote-unquote weight of time, mm-hmm. which uh, I think very much adds to the arc of the character. Um, you know, we see the moments of him just doing stuff, uh, but uh, Bakura felt that these details were important because yeah. it, it would reveal things about the character. And I think it, it further emphasizes his age and his mm-hmm. wanting to get out of this life. Um. And he also felt that it was important for the pace of the film to fit the pace of the characters. Mm-hmm. He was influenced very much by Howard Hawks mm-hmm. and felt that he, that Hawks was great, was great at doing that. Um, and he wanted, you know, dialogue to be natural. So he wasn't really beholden to the dialogue on the script. Um, he just wanted the characters to kind of say the bare minimum yeah. and, and leave it at that. Uh, this is a quote from Beckier. When you direct, you write dialogue sparingly because you look to give the most of life and truth possible to the direction and acting. Mm-hmm. Thus, you are constantly obliged to review the text right on the set. So, you know, that that was kind of his process of, yeah. of, of filmmaking. And with that, we can lead to the aftermath. Okay. So we got Jean Wiener. That is actually his, how you pronounce his last name? Yeah. Uh, 155 <laughs> credits uh, as a, a musician in, uh-huh. in the film. Uh, and he sparingly, the, the music, as you probably noticed, was sparingly used yeah. in, in the film. Uh uh, Jean Wiener wasn't a jazz man mm-hmm. uh, and he actually retired after this film uh, but he envisioned two themes one was going to be for the central friendship uh, and another was going to be the Max's favorite song that he plays on the jukebox mm-hmm. and he actually written he, he had written an entire score for the film um, and you know he, he didn't really uh, he was he didn't really like how it was recorded mm-hmm. um, and didn't really care for the final mix. But regardless, Bakure threw all of that out and replaced it with the you know the one tune that, that yeah, Max yeah. loves in, in the jukebox. And this tune actually would go on to, to have a life of its own outside mm-hmm. of the film. Oh. Um, the film screened at the 1954 Venice Film Festival, okay. uh, the 15th uh, Venice Film Festival, in competition. Uh, can, can you think of uh, some other movies that might have been in competition in... Uh, it's in 54? Yes. American films or... or oh, there or are American films. International well. films. Yeah, there, there's both. A 54? I'm trying to think would be over there in 54. Um, is there a Billy Wilder film over there? I don't see uh, Billy Wilder. Okay. Uh, but I, maybe I'll just throw some directors out and that might help you out. Okay. Um, so we have Robert Wise. Uh, that would probably be West, it's West Side Story. That's, that's Executive before. Suite. Executive Suite. So that's is that the is that the Neil I, Simon? I, I've never seen it. It's uh, on. based on a uh, see, film stars William Holden. I don't know Executive Suite. I never got that. We got a, a Kazan on the list. That has is that on the waterfront? Yes. Yeah. We got a Hitchcock on the list. Uh, is that to catch a thief? No, win- that's like a window. window. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> um. But uh. Uh, I was Grace. Great. I was around Grace Kelly. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, we'll go to the what actually won. Um, okay. So uh, the Golden Lion went to Castel Castellanese Romeo and Juliet, uh, which I've never seen. This version, the 1954 version. But, no. Um, and th- th- yeah, this is not the the Zeffirelli version. Uh, and the Grand Jury Prize went to Executive Suite by Robert Wise. Which, oh. uh, so the Silver Lions, though, went to Sancho the Bailiff, the uh, Mizuguchi film, mm-hmm. La Strada, uh, Fellini's La Strada, On the Waterfront, and Kurosawa's Seven Samurai. Oh, is that? Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and like I, like we mentioned, Rear Window was also in competition. Yeah. Uh, why, yeah, West Side Story six years later, Brandon. Why did I guess that? <laughs> I, was okay. like 50, I, was like, I, I was like, I was like, I was like, 54 seems early. Yeah. But yeah, but, but, because, because I, I wouldn't have been able to guess any of those. No, Executive Suite's like one I don't know from him. Yeah, but and that's all. what won. Yeah, that's uh, wild. Uh, well, won the Grand Jury Prize. The Golden Lion went to that the that 
adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, yeah. which, I, which I've honestly never heard of. Um, the Volpe cut uh, for Best yeah. Actor, though, was given to Gabon for okay. Grisby and The Heir of Paris. Here's the thing about the... I'll talk about this. This is me a brief rant about <laughs> the, the these festivals. No, no, no. Not that, I, I just know certain festivals... I remember when I was at Cannes and I had this discussion of people that were talking about like, oh, well, like, because this person wins this one, they can't, like, they don't want, you're not going to see like one movie sweep everything a lot of times at a film festival. Yeah. yeah. They want to spread the wealth. So it's like, if you're winning best picture, then your actor's not going to win best actor. You're actually not going to win best actress. So it's very much like, it's, it's, it's like kind of the best, but maybe not always the best. It's almost like. They just want to give more awards to one mm. film because, again, they want people to show up to these festivals and bring their films. It's going to be bad, a bad look if like every single film or every or just one film gets all the awards. Yeah. So that, I feel like that happens a lot with certain festivals. They want to spread it out of like, OK, it's not just like uh, like the year I went was like uh, Blue is the Warmest Color was the one that won best. Like the, the, the Palm d'Or. Well, I was a candy. Yeah, Palm d'Or. Um, but then it's like I think a different like a different actress wins for something else, yeah, and a yeah. different actor wins for something else. I believe so. They kind of try to spread it out because I I, I think Bruce Dern might have won for like best actor oh, wow. can because Nebraska was there. Oh wow! So I always try to spread it out to where like it's not just one film. But that is one good thing about it. I think film festivals is they're trying to uh, award uh, uh, cast a bigger net. I guess. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, and they and they again they want people to come to their their film festivals. Right. And show their films there. Well, with the Palme d'Or, I always think of um, Soderbergh winning Sex, Lies, and Videotape, but being like, no, I think Do the Right Thing deserves this. <laughs> <laughs> don't put me don't put me on this. No, no. I mean, he still won it, but he was like, no, no, I, no, I, I, just, agree. Want, I just want to be, yeah. I agree. Do the Right Thing, probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, this <laughs> Although is, I love both those films. Yeah, that's going to be more influential by the end, by the end of all this. Um, but the uh, Grisby was released on March 3rd, 1954. It was the fourth most popular release at the French box office that year, oh, wow. seen by 5 million people in France. Uh, okay. Roger Ebert uh, added it to his great movies list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's a quote from um, one of his reviews. The world of French crime films is a particular place informed by the French love for Hollywood film noir, mm-hmm. a genre they identified and named. But the great French noirs of the 1950s are not copies of Hollywood. Instead, they have a particular... Uh, particularly French flavor, mm-hmm. and I think that I think that um, I think that's that's apt, and that's yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of what we try to break down with, when we talk about the how how this would have been viewed as an if it was made or how this would have been made as yeah. an American film, yeah, uh, compared to a, a French film at this time, uh, and like we said, it kind of launched the the French gangster films of the of the fifties yeah. and sixties and uh, helped Gabon basically restart and launched a lot of these actors' careers, yeah. Um, two more films were adapted from the Max Lemonture trilogy, the other two okay. books, but they're all based on, uh, they are, which of course are all based on novels by Simonin, mm-hmm. but, uh, they have different characters in the movies. Yeah. Uh, the counterfeiters of Paris from 1961 and crooks in Clover from 1963 both have a more comedic tone. That's what I was reading. It looks like more, they're more comedy yeah. based. And of but, course the, oh, but Jean Gabon's in one of them. Yeah. I think he's, I think he's in one of the others. Uh, he's but both. he's not playing. Uh, he's not playing Max. Yeah, yeah. He's playing a different character. Uh, yeah, he's only in. He's in the second one, and then Lino Ventura, who's in the who's in this as well as uh, as Angelo. Yeah, he's in the third one. It looks like. Oh well. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if he's in the second one though. Um, but yes, yeah, so it looks like. Oh yeah. Okay. 
Um, and of course, the, the the film had a big influence on many French directors, mm-hmm. including French New Wave filmmakers uh, Jean Luc Godard and mm-hmm. uh, Francois Truffaut, uh, especially when they were critics for Cahiers du Cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, uh, Becure was the first in depth interview. Uh, that they ran in, in, in the magazine. Yeah. Uh, and he was interviewed by Truffaut. Uh, in, oh, wow. Uh, mm. And he was considered a, an important French filmmaker in the development of auteur theory. Mm-hmm. Um, Godard even actually wrote a eulogy uh, in a 1960 issue of Cahiers du Cinema when um, Becker passed mm-hmm. away. Um, so that's what he I died. Got. He died young, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and his last film, uh, Les True, that, that one sounds really interesting. Uh, I've heard of that one. It, I think it's more known, or yeah. it's one of his more known, yeah. obviously, uh, movies. But all right, and with that, we can move to what works. So, what worked for you, Brandon? Um, again, I like the subversion of kind of the genres, uh, the genre of kind of the crime, and making it where it's all about the really the aftermath of the heist, not even the we got away. It's the every it's the going wrong part of, yeah. of the aftermath, which is always my favorite. Yeah, movie, yeah, 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 part of any heist. It's movie. like again, like Tarantino does with Reservoir Dogs. That's a little bit different, where you see that you still see the opening part of it. Um, and the thing is, is that the heist doesn't go wrong for them. It's just the, oh, someone found out that found out they have it. Yeah. Let's see if we can get it from them. Um, and it's, it has to make the choice of what's more important, the money or the, or the, the people in your life. Uh, I mean, you have to make that choice a lot in these gangster movies at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. It's like, that's what Henry Hill could be doing in Goodfellas where it's like, I'm making a decision based off me, not based off of uh the mob and the money or whatever um but you have to kind of protect yourself and in this moment he has to or this whole movie he has to make a choice between the friends the people he cares about or the the money he's gonna make from the job Mm -hmm. um so i I think i think i think the cast is great um i think jean gabon is great i think uh uh it's just i love the the style of it all Mm -hmm. um it's a really kind of cool again the kind of cool French crime where they're all kind of just like, it's everything. We're all depressed and tired, but you know, that's life. <laughs> that's kind of what it is. Like it's the, the great French philosophy. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, I need to shoot some money. All right, let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, so I think again, it would be, it can, I'd be interested how that pairs with like say elevator, the gallows where yeah, that yeah. one's kind of like, which again, is also on, um, Dr. Peter's list of the, yeah. the French crime films. And Jean, and, yeah. and, 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 and Jean Moreau is also in yeah. that as well. Um, well, what worked for me, I, I think I, yeah. I, I uh, you know, on top of the things you just said, mm-hmm. I really liked the pace of the film. Um, you know, sometimes obviously you, you watch a, a classic international film and it, the, the pace can weigh it down. Yeah. Uh, but I think, and not to compare them to Brisson, which, cause I love a lot of Brisson's films, mm-hmm. but it's interesting to see the same kind of technique of just like watching a character do what seems like menial tasks. Yeah. Uh, how, how it adds to this, the, the, this idea of him aging and, and him like growing out of, um, you, you know, this life. He, yeah. He, he's, he's the life, you know, he, he's done with it. He's, uh, in fact, he, he might not even be able to keep up with it anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think by showing him slowly doing, you know, certain tasks or whatnot, it just only further emphasizes this idea. And I think the pace helps that not only that though, mm-hmm. it, it does also, it's able to build suspense. And that's yeah. kind of one thing that I've always been, fascinated by with french filmmakers but especially uh brisson if i'm gonna throw him in the in the mm-hmm. mix uh is how he can build suspense by holding like i mean yeah. escaped is one of the most suspenseful films i've ever seen yeah and he's holding on these very long shots of you know what seems like menial tasks so i, I think it, it, using that in a genre landscape using that sort of style in a genre landscape mm-hmm. uh actually really worked for the this film i agree um so yeah did anything not work for you i mean uh 
and in modern context, watching slapping the women many times this movie. And I was trying to think, did we did? I'm, I'm sure we made a comment about that with Chinatown. I I, I think we did. Yeah. I hope we did at least. But I think, yeah. I mean, it, I know it always hits me with Chinatown, but it really hit me with this one. I was like, yeah. oh Jesus, because then he just turns around and does it again. I'm like, yeah, he does it several times, yeah. and, and not just the one of them. It's everybody both, in the room. Both, both of them, yeah. yeah. And and does it kind of hits the women harder than he hits the guy? It feels like mm-hmm. by the way it's done. Um. And yeah, and but I think, and then who, and then one of the women, women, one of the female characters is slapped in the car scene, if I'm not mistaken, early on. They're driving. Mm-hmm. I feel like one of the women gets slapped in that scene as well. And yeah, I just it's yeah, it's yeah, not a fan of it. It's it's and on top of it, I think especially in that scene, yeah, um, not only that like reacting to it that way, but mm-hmm. I think the from a character perspective. He's kind of losing his uh, control of the situation by resorting to that, yeah. I think. Yeah. So I think also from a storytelling um, aspect, it, it yeah. rode me the wrong way as well. Yeah. It's and, and I and it's like the thing is that in the in the time it's like that's acceptable. Sure. But but in our kind of context, I don't think it, it's 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 if you look at sometimes when you look at old movies, this is the problem with certain people. Not the problem, but but the thing you have to deal with with certain people who like aren't used to watching old movies. Sure. sure. There's certain moments that will bring them out of it, in in terms of watching it through a modern eye, modern context or modern eye. That's a moment that I think would bring people out of it if they're mm-hmm. not used to watching older films. Because like, absolutely, I've, I've had like certain movies. I think it was someone with "It's a Wonderful Life" where they were like, someone messaged me, "Oh, but it's like a racist movie," and I was like, and thinking to myself, well, is it? And then I have to think, like, oh, well, it's they have the maid, the maid character that that lives with them, works with them, and to someone, because it's 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 a black woman in, in like a in a helping role, it's like that's considered racist. But I think sometimes not to not to praise it, but like sometimes we'll miss the con- like, like what's happening around sure. those movies. Um, it, not knowing if it's really better or worse in comparison. Well, but, it was an interesting discussion we had with Goodfellas too. It's yeah. like. When you're making a period piece, how you know what, what, where's how the moral true, line there? Yeah, yeah. yeah, where's the moral like, line? Just because they would have said something like that, yeah, does that make it okay to put that in them? Correct, and like, and they and they say a little bit, uh, briefly in, in Godfather Part Two, right? But yeah, yeah but the kind of racial slurs they have in Goodfellas, yeah. and it's and it's and I'm in the book that I read on Goodfellas, they're saying how like yeah, Scorsese's done a good job of like even when he does the Irish from like like he's as he's done those movies again in an older age, he's realized that like. I can't you can't you shouldn't really be having that language and even those modern movies like mm-hmm. sure it might have been spoken but can you get can you show the same yeah thing in another way yeah. in another way but does it have to be, like you can show a lot just through visuals of not saying anything about a comment on race or classism or mm-hmm. sexism or gender or whatever do you need to actually spell it out for you and I think again here is that like you could do more than being as quick as as violent like in a, in a snap basically is what it is um to get the point across to get what you want out True. of it um but again it's like again you have to it's it's the context of the time yeah yeah but we still need to kind of comment on on it even mm-hmm. because again like the people who maybe come to it don't watch a lot of the stuff they're always gonna be they can be turned by turned off by I we have friends that like when they watch French crime it's always the same thing it always ends the same way and they don't really like it but it's it's in the comparison of what else is being done at the time right right, right. so all right with that we can move on to film facts did anything um, else not work for you that, oh I, that was slapping was mine okay. my thing um 
Did you have another? No, comment? that was it. That was right. the main thing. So then we can move on to yeah. film facts. Uh, uh, we kind of, we discussed some this somewhat, but the influence of this film on Martin mm-hmm. Scorsese. Uh, in a conversation with Spike Lee about films that inspired The Irishman, Scorsese said he screened yep. Risby with his DP Check Rodrigo Prieto. Um, also said, when I was shooting Robert De Niro in Casino, I felt he was taking on the stature of a late to middle aged Gabon. Yep, he had a lot of power to him. But he had a serenity to him, too, and a coolness. Bob, I felt, was getting that way in Casino. Grisby has a similar theme in the sense that they are older gangsters in Paris, and they are getting involved in stuff they don't want to get involved with. Mm-hmm. It's really the tone. But I like the Gabin feeling of his deportment, how he presents, presented himself. Mm-hmm. In fact, we used some of the same harmonica music of Grisby in the film, and Robbie Robertson did the harmonica based mm-hmm. on the French noir music of the early 50s. Oh, wow. So that, that, that I thought that was interesting. Goes what I found as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't realize he was uh, was I, actually yeah. considering it. Yeah, yeah. That would have been fun and interesting to see in an alternate universe. Yeah. Um. Uh. I got one more film fact. Yeah. When Bakir was young, uh, he actually came to uh, uh, America at one point to New York. Uh, but he met King Vidor on a oh, transatlantic wow. li- liner, oh, wow. and King Vidor liked him and offered him a job, but, but he turned him down. Oh man. So I I think that's fascinating. It's like in the sense of like he almost. Entered the film industry then when he was that young, but then he ended up. What doing year it was it? Uh, so he I, he came to America, I think, when he was eighteen. Okay. So he was pretty young. Um, okay. Uh, you know, college age. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, but yeah, the fact that <laughs> that uh, you get an offer from King Vidor is like, yeah, and King Vidor <laughs> at this point, like in the nineteen tens and twenties, like one of the biggest twenties, really was one of the biggest like silent film directors. Yeah. Of the era, and he 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 then transition to making more like talkies and sound films Mm -hmm. uh throughout his career uh he's also one of the directors that was brought on for wizard of oz i know he did he was like because they had so many different directors in the movie the door was one of those he that's kind of maybe like his biggest claim to fame nowadays i feel like in terms of like a movie people know but the big parade is is the in terms of silent film is one of the 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 biggest of all time Mm mm-hmm uh, and that's all I got for film facts. Okay. So we can move on to awards. All right. Beatrice, straight award. Actor, actress with limited scenes that kills oh, it. That's a great question. Um, I had Daniel uh, Couchy. Oh, yeah. I would say it's Fifi. I think yeah. it's Daniel Couchy for Fifi. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think he's really good. Again, I, I like the stuff when it's the kind of base of the torture sequence or whatever. <laughs> um, and then also when, when Perot's just like, make yourself useful and like hands him the guns to carry. <laughs> and, and he like, he immediately, once he gets, he just like kind of falls almost over. Yeah. And he's so heavy. And he's just a skinny guy. Uh, no, I think he was great in this. Cool. Uh, and then a- Annie Potts X Factor Award, uh, supporting actor, actress that is the most memorable. Um, this is, I think this one's a little hard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, of course, I want to throw in Lino uh, Ventura as Angelo. Um, yeah, but I think Moreau also. Deserves I think it's, I think yeah. uh, Janae Moreau. Um, um, and again, I apologize, but if I'm also butchering that name, <laughs> Janae Moreau, uh, I think she's great. I think I think there's a reason why she ends up being bigger mm-hmm. immediately after this. Um, she has a great presence. I love I love all her scenes. Love when she's telling when telling Max like, "Yo, can you break up with my boyfriend for me?" So I don't have to. Uh, and then the dance stuff, and then and then like the scenes of like uh, her and her other kind of dance partner um, together. I think I think she's really kind of fantastic in this and for a a a pivotal role that's not doesn't get a lot of scene time mm-hmm. screen time. Uh, she is kind of the one. I mean, she's the one that kind of starts the whole plot off because. She mentioned it to her boyfriend, her other boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, my other boyfriend. In stole a way, some she's gold. the film fatale. Of the, she is, yeah, yeah because because he because 
uh, Rattan is always like, I gotta go back to her. And like, yeah. it's, it's, she's like this, bl- not purposefully all the time, but she's this black widow where like, oh, I have to go see her. And then once he goes sees her, that's mm-hmm. when he gets caught. Like it's, she's the one that kind of reveals the stuff about the gold. Like she's always kind of the, his problem. Yeah. And then like, and then again, because of the way he's tied up with that guy, like they double cross him or whatever at the exchange where it's not just a simple change or, or, or person for the gold or whatever um but yeah in that way it also reminded me of the killing um in yeah. the sense of the you know the the person's lover mm-hmm. hearing about the heist and and yeah with uh uh elisha cook jr's yes, uh significant w- other i'm blanking uh, on her i think name. she was his wife at, i'm pretty sure she was she's wife. she yeah she's the wife in the in the movie for yes. sure i'm trying to see what her name was again because she was great and i should know it well, we yeah. recorded that like two years ago. A while ago, yeah, yeah. Marie Marie Windsor, yeah, yeah. Marie Windsor. So her character in uh, the Killing reminded me. That it's yeah. a similar uh, plot device. Yeah, uh, and then also, of course, the ending of the the loot uh, becoming uh, you know not 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 getting the loot. Yeah, not the getting end. the loot at the end. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. So uh, then we get the Gene ha- Gene Hackman MVP award. I was yeah. this go about the killing versus this in terms oh. of the ending. I was this is that like again the versus the French versus American is that the American the kid they like Max would be being arrested at this point in time. Like yeah, it's yeah. gone wrong and he'd be arrested. French is like, no, you're gonna live with it the rest of your life. <laughs> you're gonna live with the guilt. You're not gonna be caught. You're just gonna live with the guilt of like what the decisions you made. Yeah. <laughs> the difference between American and French. That, right. that was the thing. But when when, when like yeah. when he's like after he's had sex with with Betty and it shows them in bed, I go. Couldn't do that in American film in 1954. <laughs> Could not do that. Uh, yeah, but the French, uh, the French have always had that kind of stuff yeah, in, yeah. Uh, in the film. Uh, all right, so the Jen Hackman MVP award, the person who carries the movie director, actor, etc. Is it Gabon? I think it's Gabon. Yeah, yeah I think it's yeah. Uh, as much as I love Bakir and and what he does behind the camera, I think it's it's Gabon show and he yeah and he uh, yeah Jean Gabon yeah or yeah Gabine um, again. I don't know French. So I'm really sorry for butchering the name. Oh, she. I mean, the girl at the. Uh, okay, she told. Slogan. She told you, Gabon. All right. <laughs> if I, you were I, wrong, I, man, <laughs> you've you've royally uh, you, messed me up here. We've lo- we, we're gonna get some three star reviews because of you. <laughs> so you better put, you better give us a five star review to kind of even this all out. I tried. <laughs> Anybody that, that went to Paris with me, uh, uh, study abroad knows that French uh, was a struggle with my subtle southern remember, accent. Yeah, I remember when I went. When we went because I had I had a much thicker southern accent when I went to France. But I remember you just had to kind of at least try. And we we got lost the whole other thing, uh, and we we're trying to get the get on the bus. And like my friend, she like got her like book out, and she was just like starting to have an anxiety attack trying to like <laughs> say like say something. And then she's like English, and the lady of the bus was like yes. And I was just like. <laughs> I almost started laughing because she's just watching her struggles so hard. That was one of the few uh, the sentences that I still remember. Parlez vous anglais. Yeah. Parlez vous anglais. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but she's just like, yes. Like, just so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. Um, all right. We can move on to final questions. Yeah. Recast it. Uh, if it was remade in 1990s America. Yeah. Which uh, Goodfellas. I, I talked about Goodfellas. Yeah. Was the idea yeah. of like, okay, if, if Scorsese is making this 90s, in the early yeah. 90s, what would this be like? Okay. And, and who would he cast? Well, I, I assume De Niro's got to be in there, right? So, okay. So, De Niro, so I feel like De Niro is the top choice for uh, for Max. So, I almost want to say, I'm going to give you, that's like almost a given, but just, yeah. just for fun, I'm going to give you more choices. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Um. Roy Scheider. I like that. Roy Scheider. Yeah. And then Gene Hackman. I 
I think I buy Gene Hackman in that era more as the uh, gangster, like oh, as as, at, at the Ange- end, as at, Angelo. Well, no, no, no. I buy him more as the as the role of Max in the sense of the gangster, okay. like uh, yeah, you know, running out of time or, yeah. or, or being done with the life. I think I buy that more than De Niro at that time. If that makes I, sense. that's what that's yeah. that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, because yeah. I think Hackman is in that period where like it's it's a few, a few years before Crimson Tide around around that mm-hmm. point like it's around the birdcage and everything um but I think Hackman would be really fantastic in it because I was like I was like what if it's just like it's real it's like Tenenbaum but like he's just annoyed about he's like, uh, he's, he's like annoyed about being there um and yeah because Hackman at this point I think he'd done let me see so Unforgiven's 92 so basically saying like Unforgiven Hackman yeah. era I think would play this part where I could see him being. Hey, I think he's great. A movie that I think is underrated. Not people talk about or may not like, but like his a uh, heist he does with David Mamet, mm-hmm. where it's like him, Dory Lindo. And I think Hackman's great in it. Um, and is it Sam Rockwell that's in it with him as well? Um, have you seen Heist? Uh, uh-uh, I'm about to. Yeah, watch yeah. It's it. Hackman, Danny DeVito, Dory Lindo, Sam Rockwell, and Ricky Jay. And Mamet wrote and directed it. I think Hackman's great in it. It's one of his last. Like to me, uh, this and like Royal Tenenbaums were like to me the last films the Hackman made. And oh, I, wow. I don't, I don't, I don't count. Oh, oh we're going to move for it. It's kind of like <laughs> it's heister, it's heister Royal Tenenbaums. And I would, I can't remember which came out first. I do like Runaway Jury though, but that's just me. Yeah, yeah. It's not, nothing the greatest movie of all time, but it's fun. Um. But yeah, high, but yeah, I think Hackman would be good for this. Um, for the other roles, I think it's his his protege is Marco. It's it's Keanu. I'm I'm game. I think it's Keanu. I'm game. <laughs> but this has to be before. Uh, uh, it's before. It's pre speed. Well, is it before Bram Stoker's Dracula? It's around Dracula. It's around Dracula. <laughs> it's got to come out before that, or else. Okay, he's gonna have it. Troll, yeah. It's like Point Break time, is what I'm saying. It's like Point Break, yeah. Keanu. I love it. Um, I love it. I'll never not go to bat for Keanu. Uh, I'm going really kind of big stars, like who are who are on the rise at this point, but not like big yet. I think at this point she has gotten big. Um, but for for Joe for Josie, uh, Julia Roberts. Oh, yeah. So it's right after Stem. It's the it's right around Pretty Woman. Mm-hmm. Uh. Era. So she hasn't blasted to the moon yet. It's just she's, she's gotten she's, really she's big. In space. She's yeah, she's in space, <laughs> but she hasn't hit Jupiter yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that's late by late nineties. That's when yeah. Julie Roberts becomes like Julie Roberts. We know, but it's mm-hmm. it's starting uh, at this point in time. And so, yeah, I think she could be a Josie, or if you want to go someone smaller, uh, I also thought about Madeline Stowe. Oh, okay, for Josie as yeah. well. Um, I think she'd be good. Um. I didn't come up with the, with the, with the, the friend. Oh, uh, Riton. Yeah, if it's oh. if it's Hackman, do we? Mm. Who's more of a comedic like? Uh, you know, this guy's not comedic, but like, who's? Well, mine went to Billy Crystal, but that would du- be... Duval. Oh, I, I like that. Robert Duval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that feels more like uh Because I don't, I don't think they ever made a movie together. So Hackman, oh. so so the story people don't know is that Hackman and Hoffman, ha- Gene Hackman and Dustin Hoffman were roommates, uh, and went did passing a playhouse together, acted in, in class together. the The third person of that trio was Duval, mm-hmm. and I think Hoffman and Duval made a movie together, or at least appeared in a movie together. 
Hoffman and Hackman did Runway Jury together, but Duvall and Hackman never did a movie together. Uh. So this could so be that in, movie in our alternate universe, uh, Grisby remake. Grisby remake. It's it's ha- yeah. It's it's Hackman and Duvall first time on screen together. There we go. Um, he's basically Duvall's making this instead of Godfather Part Three is what's happening. <laughs> um, and Hack. Yeah, I think that, I think it's great. I'm just saying. Would and then Julie Roberts and Keanu Reeves getting the yeah. young the young boomers yeah. in there basically? Oh man, this sounds like it. Yeah. Gen Xers or whatever. I'd I, I'm, I mean, I'd go see it. With Scorsese directing yeah, it? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and like my, Michael Ballhouse shooting it oh, and Thelma Shoemaker editing it? Oh man, dude. Sign me up. Um, I'm down. Okay. All right. Does this film fit into any other genres? I mean noir, obviously. Yeah, noir again a heist, ca- heist movie. movie as well. The, the post heist. Post heist movie. <laughs> um uh, again, it's it's in the French new not not genre, but French New Wave movement as we've been yeah. talking about and kind of a reflection of looking at Hollywood tropes and movies and, and doing your own version of it. Um, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a good kind of example of that. Yeah. Heist. Um, it's, it's not a 24 hour movie. It well, it might be. No, no, it's, it's like a, like a weekend movie. Yeah. Cause they wake up and then, yeah. they, then you have the other night. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So, the other night. Yeah. so it's, it's kind of a weekend movie, but it's, it's a very like contained, like yeah, it's short amount of time. Contained, yeah. It's a weekend getaway movie. Um, yeah, any other ones that you thought of? That's it. Okay. Cool. Uh, all right. So how does this uh, film fit into this month's genre? It's an interesting one because it, it's it's it plays against a lot of the tropes or you kind of have to reach to kind of connect the tropes in a way. Mm-hmm. Um because there's not really there's not a doomed romance mm-hmm. in here. Well, in fact, he's a play. He's still a player. He's in still a player. Age. I think he has his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Now the question that has there is that he always keeps everyone kind of at arm's length because right. of what he's in. Yeah. Because he almost is aware it's going to be doomed if I actually try to commit. And he's probably seen that happen countless yeah. times. Yeah. So I think that's. I think at the end he's. I think Betty's the one. The one he sleeps with is the one I think he could picture himself running away with mm-hmm. and just like. I think I think there's a moment in time when he goes when he goes with her. Uh, there's probably a thought at some point like, "Let me just take the gold and we'll just leave yeah. and like be done with it, cut all ties and be gone." Um, so so I think it's just he's he's a self aware hero mm-hmm. in that and or protagonist in that way. Um, the the paranoia is not really there in this. There is a level he has so much control. He's not yeah, worried about yeah. someone coming after him. He's no, no. Him. There's a level of distrust. I would sure. say. Sure. Um, but not the paranoia that we see in Scarface. And we do have that um, that trope of the uh, like a rat within. In, but in this sense, it's not necessarily a rat. It's just a guy telling his his lover uh, that they have the the loot. Yeah, yeah. Someone's informed, which on is you. also, I guess, a trope of uh, the heist movie. But yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's no really like dark underbelly of of the, the, the of of a American dream. Uh, you know, this is French, but <laughs> but but there is kind of the like. The retire, I guess. The re- the, the, yeah, the retired life of yeah. like, hey, I've done. It's like it's it's poly. Like, hey, I've done it all. Let me just own a restaurant yeah, yeah. or whatever. Like, is what it kind of feels like. Mm-hmm. And and in a way, you're left wondering, like, can you really get out of this mm-hmm. world now that you've been into it? So there's kind of that. It's all just kind of like somewhat there, but not there. But again, that's kind of the taking the the European version mm-hmm. of what the Americans do. Uh, there's no there's no like 
comment on capitalism right. or whatever in this. Um, but I think that was that was a reason, uh, a good reason to have discussed this one. Oh, yeah, it, yeah. It's a counterpoint to yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. a lot of the other ones that we had discussed. You know. Well, yeah, it's it's well, it's like Thomas. We talked this a little bit with Long Good Friday on our Patreon. And we can't talk about Godfather Part Two next week, but it's like I would say this with this one is that you're seeing a lot of characters who like, um, it's about them like trying to go legit. Mm-hmm. Like Long Good Friday with Bob Hoskins, it's that he's in the mob and in England, and and whole, he wants to go legit. Mm-hmm. It's about Michael how Kay wants him to go legit. I would say this is kind of that as well, is that he's not say going legit, turning his businesses into in something legal, but he's yeah. like saying, oh, let me be done with this world and go off and have a regular life. He is kind of like trying to become a legitimate human being and not a criminal. Yeah. Uh, so there is kind of that thread still there, even in this. 1950s French movie compared to I think that plays into a history of violence as well because he's trying to escape that the crime life and just like have a normal life in a small you know so that so these movies still all kind of have that's kind of the big one of the bigger things we've been seeing this whole month is the like trying to go legitimate and have and and not have to balance the 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 personal and Mm -hmm. and criminal life um so yeah if they don't get so like pulled into it that they're literally drowning yeah then that is the other way they go you know yeah or or in the case of goodfellas he has to do that to escape like he he's yeah. like he's or he's gonna die <laughs> basically yeah, yeah, yeah. he 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 Whereas uh, scarface is literally just he's gone down the spiral and he's still going down the spiral because <laughs> that's what he wants <laughs> yeah, the most right it's, right it's the idea of greed with scarface yeah but yeah it's it's like um but again we, we've heard throughout all of it with with and well at least with goodfellas and scarface there's always some character like hey like slow down yeah don't do this and that and that in a way you could say that max is kind of that way for return for yeah return where he's like yo we don't need to do all this anymore like th- throw your your young side piece away yeah, go yeah. go marry an, a, a lady your age and let's like just have a life it's he's kind of like he's kind of paul Servino in a way with yeah, this like yeah. yo and but he's like no i got to man like i got he's it, it's so that's interesting where it's it's we're playing off that we're seeing kind of the perspective of the person saying let's cool out let's slow mm-hmm. down where he's our main character this time mm-hmm. first time this this month so interesting uh but that's all i got you that's got all you got yeah that's it for me um so yeah so make sure uh if you haven't joined our patreon do that uh thomas and i have talked about long good friday uh which should be it should be out or will be out soon depends on how i can edit these all very quickly i'm the editor for all these everyone so give me time i'm doing my best <laughs> Um, but Bob, yeah, that's, that's on Patreon long good Friday. I think that's streaming on criterion. Maybe, um, this today's movie Grisby is on campy. Uh, Dave and I'll be talking about the untouchables as well by Brian De Palma, uh, later this month as well on the Patreon. And that's been, that'll be fun doing more De Palma all the time. Uh, we're behind this show. We're going to cover all the palm movies. It feels like, <laughs> I hope so. Uh, at some point. Uh, and then, but next week, as I mentioned, kind of throughout the whole episode as a preview, Thomas and I'll be talking about the Godfather part two as a way to kind of end this month on mobster mafia movies. We felt like, you know what? Like we're covering mobsters and gangsters. We have to like talk about God, uh, Godfather of some point. Yeah, and yeah. we felt, Hey, everyone talks about Godfather part one and the making of it. Like the offer was on Paramount plus that kind of covered yeah. a version of how it was made. And I was they like, they released the annotated screenplay. Yeah. And, and I was a like, bunch of books about it. I was like, but no one talks about part two. But everyone always says part two is one of the greatest movies of all time as well. So it should probably be discussed in the same way as Godfather part one. Do you answer which one uh, is your favorite on the episode? No. Will you answer it now? Um, I ain't never watched the Godfather to, oh, okay. to, to, to have I, a full I will say about that to, I guess, tease for next week is that like, I was shocked 
at just how well a, that three and a half hour long yeah. movie moved. It's crazy. It moves so incredibly well. So I'm spoiling it here, but my thoughts, but like, I was like, this is three and a half hours. This is going to be a long time. And then I'm like stopping and go, oh, we're like 15 minutes left in this movie. Cause there's not a lot of scenes in the movie. It's kind of yeah. odd of how it's, how that is done. But I, yeah, we'll talk about more and kind of the history of it, of how the, the parallel stories of yep. Vito and Michael, which is brilliant and how, but how that was viewed in the moment. Cause oh, it was awesome. not, it was not viewed in the way that it is viewed today. So we'll right. discuss that next week cool. on Godfather part two. Good tease for you all. So, be sure to listen to that. Uh, but that's all we have in this episode. If you have any questions for us, feel free to contact us at podcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions, comments. And if you're a new listener to the show or a fan of the show, and for some reason you haven't subscribed to us, be sure to do so to stay up to date on all of our new episodes. Uh, you can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you haven't already, be sure to rise for your preferred podcast platform. This is where you can tell us what you think of us. If we did a horrible job with the uh, pronunciation <laughs> of certain uh, international names. Uh, but you can still give us five stars even if you're giving we'll listen to the critiques but the five stars helps us uh, uh, we like to hear what you have to say if you're liking the movies we're talking about if you have a favorite episode of, that we've talked about recently um, if there's a favorite series we've done so we'd love to hear from you all the reviews are a great way to we, we read them so we we try to make improvements if you give us critiques and we also try to focus on stuff if you like it we're doing so far so yeah and finally don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd TikTok, all those places. David, as always, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, dude. And thank you all for listening. We hope to listen to more episodes soon. Bye.